Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here tonight, flying solo at least for a couple of minutes. Uh, I'll be joined by Tim Haraney from the TSN Racing Pod. He's on deck here and Tim and I got together a little bit earlier on this evening to recap the events at the inaugural Miami GP over the past uh, couple of days. No Mark Hamilton tonight. Mark has been under the weather for the past uh, couple of days. He really soldiered through the weekly show on Thursday night, but I talked to him a little bit earlier today. He had no voice left and uh, I just said to him Mark you know what just uh, take the take the show off take the night off he said you know I'm just not good to go and he's been working so hard with the interviews uh, lately that uh, he really deserved uh, the evening off otherwise (laughs) I don't think he would have lasted more than a couple of minutes anyways he'll he'll be back in a couple of days for the show and uh, we look forward to uh, connecting with uh, him again anyways uh, like I said we've got uh, Tim Haraney on deck uh, but before we do that just going to run down the race qualification sorry not the qualification Talked about that in depth with Tim. Just the classification for the very first Miami Grand Prix. Max Verstappen for Red Bull winning this one. 3.7 seconds ahead of Charles Leclerc. Carlos Sainz finally getting back to some positive news. Coming home third and rounding out a double podium finish for the Scuderia Ferrari. Sergio Perez, fourth for Red Bull. George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, fifth and sixth for Mercedes. Seventh was uh, Valtteri Bottas for Alfa Romeo. Esteban Ocon for Alpine in eighth. Alex Albon for Williams in ninth. And Lance Stroll rounding out the top ten for Aston Martin. Now in the driver's standing, uh, Charles Leclerc still on top in the driver's championship with 104 points. Max Verstappen second with 85, slowly closing in, closing in pardon me, on the Ferrari driver. Sergio Perez, 66 points, which is good enough for third in the Drivers' Championship. George Russell, who's had a very, very good start to the 2022 World Championship, fourth with 59 points. And then Carlos Sainz slowly clawing his way back up the Drivers' Championship with 53 points, and that puts him in fifth. On the constructor's side, Ferrari has 157 points, only six points ahead of Red Bull. Mercedes, 95 points. McLaren, fourth in the constructor's championship with 46 points, pardon me. And then Alfa Romeo rounding out the top five with 31. Then going down the rest of the constructor's championship, Alpine, AlphaTauri, Haas Ferrari, Aston Martin, and Williams rounding out the top 10, well, not the top 10, there is only 10 teams in Formula One. But as of today, after the Miami Grand Prix, all teams have now scored points in the 2022 Formula One World Championship. Anyways, that is enough from me here in Mission Control. Like I say, got uh, Tim Haraney waiting here on deck, and we're going to recap the inaugural Miami GP. Enjoy. Joined by Mark Daly from the Scuderia F1 pod. If you want more from the Scuderia F1 pod, you can get them on Twitter at Scuderia F1 pod and download their podcasts on Apple, Spotify, actually wherever you get your podcasts. And joining me today is Mr. Mark Daly. You can get him on Twitter at 
Mark Daly. Did I get all that right, Mark? You got everything right except you forgot it's <laughs> at Mark Daly F one for my, my Twitter. I, I oh, Formula uh, One Formula One nized it, if that's even a word. <laughs> I thought I got it all. <laughs> hey, it's been a long oh, day man. for you, brother. It's uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll yeah. let that one pass. It's all good. It has been a long day. Just getting in. Uh, we are taping this 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm just getting in from the racetrack. And Mark, you're just getting in from dinner. From dinner, yeah. It's still early here on the West Coast. Uh, we were doing Mother's Day and everything. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, it was like prime time on a Sunday afternoon. The race went it went green at 12.30 Pacific time. It was it was perfect. And then there was still time to, to do normal Mother's Day things after that. It's It's been a great weekend. It's been a fun Mark, weekend. You've, you've like, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but you know, Mark, you've watched Formula One forever. Mm-hmm. And you've seen a ton of races. You've mm-hmm. seen a load of different tracks. You've seen a number of different uh, sporting spectacles. Mm-hmm. For the Miami Grand Prix, did you get a different feeling about this particular race compared to others? Yeah, you know, I got to give them like major props because for a first time event, I mean, there, there's obviously things that didn't go right. There was going to be hiccups, but I thought the presentation, the way that it looked on TV, like all weekend long, it looked amazing. The facility in and around Hard Rock Stadium looked amazing. And I thought the track itself, I know there were complaints from the drivers just to come, you know, concerning how dirty it was. That was obviously one of the, uh, you know, the, the hiccups with this one. But I think that the, the design of the track and the facility itself, it was uh, fantastic because I I I was really blown away at times watching over the course of the past couple of days that this is a track that's not going to exist in a week. All those uh, those grandstands are going to be taken down. Those barriers are going to go. And the thing is that that I said to you a little bit earlier that even though I knew this was like a road circuit, a, a temporary circuit, it felt more to me like a um, Mexico City. Even though you know, like the the section right at the end where the where the the old stadium is just before they come into mm-hmm. the pits, it had that temporary feel, but it didn't. It, it felt it, to me it looked really good compared to say a traditional street circuit like Monaco and. The design to it, I think, um, I think it worked really good. I know that the race organizers want to maximize and make some tweaks here and there to really uh, extract all the potential they feel the track has. But I think for the for for first opportunity, like right out of the gate, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, being boots on the ground there for me, I would say this is the most hyped up i've ever seen a a formula one race i mean there was more spectacle happening off of the racetrack than there was actually on the racetrack because the race was okay Mm -hmm. Uh, qualifying was exciting don't get me wrong but everything that stood out the most to me about this race was everything that was happening in in the paddock it was the who's who of you know sports um, entertainment, you name it, social media, everybody was there. It, it was wild that way, off mm-hmm. the charts. And the fans, there were so many fans, Mark, like so many. And treating these drivers and team principals just like absolute rock stars, dude. That's awesome. I was leaving, I was leaving, um, when was it? It was uh, Friday. I was leaving the uh, the uh, TV bullpen, and we just finished our round of inter- interviews with all the drivers. And I was walking behind 
uh, Daniel Ricardo. And I was just saying to him, like, dude, have you ever seen anything like this? Because it's nuts, man. And he's like, bro, he's like, it's off the chain. And I'm like, right? <laughs> and as soon awesome. as he said off the chain, we like walked into Paddock and he got swarmed by people. I got like booted. I was walking shoulder to shoulder. I got booted out of there. <laughs> right? Everyone was in there trying to get... He was trying to like... He was doing his best to... Um, pictures taken with people be as friendly as possible uh but there was people like trying to hug him like getting like right like face to face with him oh wow and i'm just thinking like this is part of the job i guess yeah you know like these guys must be starting to get used to this but it's next level here man it was next level like this crazy everybody was yelling at total wolf the selfies that people were trying to take with him as he was you know cruising down down the paddock and like uh, they were great. they were great with with the fans. I have to tell you that. I mean, everybody was really really great with the fans. Um, and they're just so ravenous, Mark. I just I've never seen anything like it before. Like, and I've been around racing my whole life. Like, the the one thing I have to ask you: Did Martin Brundle ever get to meet Patrick Mahomes this weekend? <laughs> you, you know, that, that, that I could. And I, I'm not going to hate on uh, Martin. I think he does a great job. You know, in the, but he's had a couple of grid walks now that haven't quite gone off the way that he <laughs> intended. But I thought that this one was probably a little less controversial than the last one. <laughs> that was a bit of a funny moment, oh, uh, notwithstanding. Poor old Martin. Um. I, I didn't get to see it, so I I can't comment. But I got like a ton of text messages while it was going on, and people were explaining to me like what he was doing, and I'm like, <laughs> wait, like what's happening? Like how did he mistake someone for Patrick Mahomes? And then you know what? Like it, it's being in the the media center, and like I know some of the media, but from around the world, but. This weekend, I got to learn even more because there's more because there's, there's more of them, and I can understand like how like how you don't know who certain athletes or celebrities who who they are like if they're American like I mm-hmm. understand that because they're used to their celebrities, yeah, in, in Europe, you know what I mean, and in the UK, and Martin Brundle could probably rattle off to you every single soccer player who you know plays for chelsea or you know plays for man united or whatever right i can't do that i mean there's no way if i went over there and i had to do a grid walk i wouldn't know who i was talking to i literally wouldn't know who i was talking to yeah that's true like i get it for i I get it for some of it for sure like i I really do it's it's um it's understandable after after um after being in that media center just how difficult I think that that actually can be for sure. But Patrick Holmes, man, like he's the highest paid. What least like he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Like, come. Uh, Full disclosure, like I haven't made that mistake, but given the opportunity, I would love to meet Patrick Mahomes. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Totally. I got. Totally. I got uh, yeah, I got, it was awesome. I, I bumped into Zoe Saldana. Oh wow. That was really cool. She's super nice, by the way. That's awesome. Very nice lady. Yeah, very, very nice. Um Tom Brady as well. Uh, oh cool. Who else? I, yeah, they're just like Will I Am. That was cool. He's awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, saw Michael Jordan. Uh who else did I see? Saw David Beckham. 
uh well he owns he's like the owner of the the mls team in miami isn't he I can't remember what sure, I can't remember what his well, official he, title is. He was the one that sort of really pushed to get the team there. It's been going. I think they started almost like ten years ago. It took them almost a decade to get that team up and running. But yeah. I mean, Bex is kind of like one of those guys, one of those celebs that everybody knows, regardless where you live, right? I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of people will know David Beckham just because mm-hmm. he's David Beckham, right? So. Mm-hmm. Global, he's like one of those global superstars. For sure, totally. He's totally. like the Lewis Hamiltons. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like everybody knows who Lewis Hamilton is. Everybody knows like around the world what, he, what Lewis Hamilton looks like. So yep. it's like, it's not, he's like, yeah, like David Beckham's in that realm for sure. Totally. Uh, totally. But there was, there was so many, like Ashton Kutcher saw him. Oh, cool. Um, uh, did you ask him where your, did you ask him, dude, where's my car? No, I didn't. I didn't. He had his son with him, so I didn't want to like. It wasn't appropriate. He had his son with him, so I didn't want to like get, get in there. And you know, it's like still kind of a pandemic going on. So I just sure. didn't want to like get get into his face and be like, oh my God. <laughs> you know, like picture and like have him be like, whoa, relax, bro. So you know what I mean? Like, so I, a lot of the celebrities and everything, I kind of kept my distance a bit, but so Saldana actually said like hi to her because I literally bumped into her and she was like super, super nice. Um uh yeah, it was it's crazy here, man. Like it was absolutely, absolutely wild. But those are the things that were going on. Um, behind the scenes, Mark, what did you uh, what did you th- what did you think of the track uh, as a whole in terms of um, racing and qualifying? Well, qualifying I thought was like a really exciting, and uh, when we saw the Ferrari front row lockout uh, with yeah. Charles and Carlos uh, P one and P two, I couldn't help but wonder. Well, up until what happened in the race today, I was wondering: Is this going to be the race of re- redemption, not only uh, for Ferrari but especially for 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 Carlos, who's had a couple of tough outings in Imola and then in Australia, going back the last two races, and then Charles and Ferrari as as a whole trying to redeem themselves after the that's you know that own goal in Imola two weeks ago and they looked uh, really really strong I was kind of thinking mm-hmm. well it was what was Imola perhaps a bit of a flash in the pan for for Ferrari and or sorry for Red Bull and now it's going to kind of go back to what we'd seen maybe over the first couple of races of the season and it was it was really interesting because I, I was coming out of qualifying and, and thinking perhaps this is a Ferrari suited track, especially you know the front row lockout and it turned out to be a little bit uh not quite as that. I, I don't want to say that that race was decided on the first corner, but certainly Max really getting his elbows out, as he say, to to force his way past Carlos in what I thought was a super aggressive, but like exceptionally well pulled off pass. I mean, it was one of those ones. He was going to look like a hero or a zero. I mean, if he collected Carlos, it would have been that, that one moment where they would have been climbing out of their cars at turn one. But uh, he he really pushed, and I think what the the advantage was for Max was it didn't give that opportunity for for Carlos to kind of like run interference and let uh, Charles run away and build up a, a lead. And so, well, ultimately, I think that Max had the the, the faster car, and um, but it, it was very very timely. The, the track itself, I, I think, has a lot of potential. I think it's got like a nice rhythm to it. I like that sort of combination of corners, sort of about two thirds of the way through. Is it was it turn sixteen to nineteen or whatever? before they go on that mm-hmm. long straight that's about what about yeah. three quarters of a mile long around the back there i thought it was really kind of cool because they're they're really kind of short snappy corners you get a little change in elevation as they go up that little knoll there and then they come around at the back straight to one of the drs zones i thought that was uh, pretty cool as well but 
Yeah, I think ultimately the one thing that was kind of um, frustrating was just the track surface itself and that a lot of guys were just complaining that it was just so dirty that they didn't want to risk going off a line and they were predicting that to perhaps that that would lead to you know a lack of overtaking. We, we saw overtaking, but maybe not as much as we'd expected based on the races we'd seen so far this year. What, what, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I you know I, I like the track. Um, I on the Thursday I was talking to a friend of mine who was doing hot laps for guests and celebrities that were coming um, to the to the race, and he had just gotten finished doing um, doing his test drive on the Thursday, so he could learn the track. And I said to him, like, "Hey, you know, well, how how is it out there? What's the track like?" He's like, "It's awesome." Mm-hmm. He's like, "But." He's like, the surface is starting to get ripped up. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. He's like, if you go over to turn seven and turn 17, he's like, it, the, the ground is literally peeling away. So whatever the surface is, hmm, that or the, whatever, the, the, whatever the type of um, uh, tarmac they were using wasn't setting properly. And so it literally was getting ripped up. And he's like, there's no way when the F1 cars hit this on Friday, that it that it lasts. He's like, this is going this is going to get worse. This whole thing's going to get torn up. Mm-hmm. So we got to the track on got the track on Friday morning, and sure enough, the FIA had notified us that they'd repaved it. They had to repave T seven and and T seven and lay down um, some asphalt. Well, the it's it got worse because T seventeen got torn up. Like the the F one cars literally ripped it up. Hmm. So again, this is Saturday morning. They repaved a huge chunk of of t17 and talking to the drivers about that you know a lot of them were saying that it was difficult because they were going from a stretch of asphalt that was reasonably grippy because it kind of started to go from a green track to a a a rubber embedded racetrack onto t17 which was extremely slippery because there was no grip so it was really uh, ruining some of the drivers' qualifying laps. And so it was really, really hectic. Daniel Ricardo actually was mentioning it to me that um, he said it was really difficult to try and, and get the car settled down when you made the transition from the two pieces of asphalt. Um, and he said that played a part in his Q3 uh, lap time. Hmm. And so Lando Norris told me that it was a really difficult track to drive only because that there was only really one true racing line. He said, as soon as you start to get off of the racing line, he said, the, the, the tarmac is so bad that you would literally be off and into the wall. He said, there's just no, there was no real like wiggle room, so to speak. And it's the type of like asphalt that they're not really used to. Okay. And I think what, I think what they should think about doing is maybe resurfacing it with um, whatever the Saudi Arabia track that, that whatever they use, because that needs to be done in like a higher temperature. And it was really hot here. Like track temp was like 50 degrees, man. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. It was really, it was really hot. And so like, I think what they should probably do is, is maybe think about resurfacing it for, for next year. I think that it would make the racing a little bit better. Not to say that the race was bad, but yeah, it was just, it, it was an interesting note. Um, 
So just to jump in here, Tim, for a second, that uh, when you were saying that uh, Lando was saying there was truly only one racing line around that track, was that incident that uh, eventually sadly ended Lando's afternoon when Pierre went off the racing line and we saw him kind of going all over the place? Was that in part to to do with the the, the fact that he wasn't on the racing line? I never heard it confirmed if he actually had any mechanical issues um, after that, or was was it a combination of both of those things? Yeah, so what happened was uh, I was... Pierre told me um, that when he had contact from behind by, I believe it was uh, Fernando Alonso, yep. who who told Fernando actually said to me that that pass wasn't on and he 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 took blame for it. Like he he was actually apologetic for for what he'd done. Um, but that contact actually broke something in the right rear. Uh, and okay. so Pierre decided to try and go for one more lap. The team said, well, if you're feeling okay, try one more lap. So Pierre tried one more lap. And he said, as soon as I went through this one corner, it was something to do with the wheel rim actually broke, oh. kind of like gave out. And that's kind of what made him go off the track a bit. And Lando um, just couldn't avoid him. There was nothing he, he could have, that Lando could have done. And he said, uh, Lando said he tried his best to, to get out of the way, but it's just, it was something that just happened. There was no real ill will between um uh between lando and, and pierre it was just a just a racing incident that just happened but yeah it's a shame i mean i don't think lando thought he was on for points this this weekend he kind of made mention of that uh to, to me after the race but um for pierre though it's a real shame because gasly was having a super super strong weekend i mean mark he qualified the car seventh it's incredible passion drive and patience The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Totally. I mean, if you, you look at uh, outside the, say, the top uh, three rows, I mean, we had uh, Ferrari, Red Bull. Then you had Bottas, uh, who qualified really good on row mm-hmm. three beside uh, Lewis Hamilton. You know, the, the two former teammates, that, that was a bit of a juicy way to start the race. And then, like you say, you had uh, Pierre Gasly on row four. Sorry, no, uh, yeah, row four next to uh, Land. And then you had uh, Yuki and Lance rounding out, uh, you know, the, the the top ten and qualifying on row five. And yeah, I mean, Pierre's like one of those guys. I mean, w- when it's on for him, it, it things really go well. I mean, look, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a race winner. I mean, he, he's had some fantastic moments in his career, but 
it's I guess that old saying when when you're hot you're hot when you're not you're not and it just it just wasn't his day today and that's that that's so frustrating after like you say he qualified so well on Saturday I I thought that that uh, you know the starting grid especially after we saw the top ten shootout I thought there was some really interesting kind of threads to pull on and <clears throat> excuse me things to watch during the race yeah I mean you know t- some of the other drivers like you had mentioned Valtteri Bottas uh, you know let's let's talk about his weekend for a bit mark because <laughs> uh right off the hop guy crashes in in free practice one so it doesn't really get off to a great start does it no no and again uh, he had that moment right at the end of the race I mean he was uh ahead of Lewis ahead of George and uh you're just kind of thinking that uh, he, he's got to be like loving this you know ahead of his own team his old team and I think that Valtteri's done a pretty good job so far at Alfa Romeo I, I think they're you know he's punching above his weight in that car and doing some things you wouldn't really expect to see Alfa Romeo doing I mean maybe you can go back a couple of years when they were still uh Sauber and it was Charles's first year because he was doing a lot of really amazing things things compared to Marcus Erickson uh, that year. I mean, it was, it was night and day. And I think that uh, Valtteri is, is, is doing similar type things with that car so far this year and putting it into positions just goes to show the quality of a driver that, uh, that he is. And not, not that I have anything personally against Lewis or George or Mercedes in general. I just thought that it would have made for a great, uh, maybe not a headline, but it would have been a great storyline to see him come home in front of his, uh, former team and his former teammates uh, at this race, but it just uh, didn't turn out that way. And unfortunately, <laughs> he got passed by both of them right at the end of the lap there, just uh, what was only maybe three or four laps from the end of the race. And poof, you know, that's that really good result, you know, top five finish, you know, <laughs> kind of like disappeared. I mean, still finished in the top 10, still finished seventh, but it could have been a lot better. And maybe that was just kind of... Uh, Maybe kind of underline that it it was an okay weekend for Valtteri, but it it had a lot of ups and downs, and was ultimately a, a little bit frustrating and left some some points out there on the track. Yeah, one of the things I'm noticing the most with uh, with Valtteri is his demeanor. He is he's a lot more laid back now than what he was when he was with Mercedes, and I think that those one year contracts that Mercedes had him on just really didn't give him not a fan of those that yeah i just didn't really think i really gave him the confidence i think he needed and then getting like a more of a secure future with alfa romeo and a multi-year deal uh and plus you know the car is actually really good you know Guan Mm -hmm. joe was telling me if he hadn't have had to retire the car he most likely would have gotten points and joe has been doing great this so far this season he's been a standard driver as well but i mean valtteri has just been He's just on another level at the moment, Mark. I think yep. this is some of the best driving I've ever seen from him. Like, so if we Agreed. take into consideration, this is a this is a brand new racetrack. Nobody knows it. I mean, they've got in the simulators, and like I was talking to most of these guys, and like they were even telling me, like, yeah, the simulators were great for this track, but like they're not like a hundred percent accurate. They don't mm-hmm. give you all the bumps. They don't actually give you a whole bunch of undulation where some of these corners did have. They don't give you the a lot of the camber that some of these corners had as well. And so for for Valtteri, I I was I was so upset for him when he crashed mm-hmm. and then couldn't make it back out for the next practice session. I was like, he's not gonna have a good weekend. This is gonna be such a difficult weekend for him. He's he's gonna have to spend the next practice session learning the whole track instead of like figuring out a qual- qualifying setup, 
and taking the car to the limit on a track he doesn't even know. And right. I was like, there's just, it's going to be a tough weekend for him. And then here we are into qualifying and guy puts it P five. I was like, I think he was one of the more like he, him and Max were standout performances for me this weekend. Like Valtteri's absolutely, it was incredible this weekend. Yep. And I'm really excited for him for the rest of this season. And if they can keep developing this car and keeping this mojo going, I'm really excited. I think he gets podiums this year, Mark. I really do. Like later in the season. Yeah, I I, I would not be surprised if that happened at all. Like I'm, I'm feeling really good for the guy. But l- like you say, I mean, he doesn't have that pressure of like having that microscope on him almost each and every race. That one year almost, well, it was always like one year with an option kind of deal, right? That he had uh, with the Mercedes. And I think now that he is the undisputed number one at Alpha, he has that multi-year deal. He can just go out there and focus on what's happening on the track. I mean, plus... Plus, you know, the, the guy brings a wealth of experience as a driver, and he's been in a top, the top team in Formula One in, in the past decade. All the experience that he brings just from the developmental car or point of uh, developing a car is just invaluable to a team like Alpha. I mean, they just must be lapping it up. I mean, it's a, it's a great situation for them. And, and to me... He seems to be a guy that's racing without pressure on his shoulders. I mean, sure, there's pressure that, that he faces every time he straps himself in that car and goes out for a practice or a qualifying or race or whatever. But that's the normal kind of pressure you'd expect on any driver. But he doesn't have that extra added pressure of uh, driving for Mercedes. And I think he's he's really thriving in, in, in this environment. But to maybe kind of extrapolate on this a, a little bit, I feel that that Valtteri Bottas 2.0 is Sergio Perez at, uh, at Red Bull because, I mean, I mean, let's face it. I mean, it took Checo two thirds of a season last year to really find his groove at Red Bull. He had a one year deal then. He gets it right at the end of the year. I mean, he played a real pivotal role, crucial role at Abu Dhabi that last race of the year to really, you know, the whole Minister of Defense thing. But he's really been on it this year, right? I think he's done a pretty good job. I and mean, he's, he's had he's some mechanical really issues. But then the same thing, he's on a one year contract now, similar, you know, age bracket as, as Voltaire. And then the, the, the pressure of rate, you know, racing for last year well they weren't constructors champions uh, but i mean they could have been if uh, he would nailed more points i just kind of feel that he's racing with the type of pressure that valtteri had last year and for the past several years and valtteri must be kind of he must, he must re- recognize that but think you know thank god that's checo and that's not me i'm just going to go out here and drive yeah he's been he i, I think checo's been great too i mean if we take yeah. a look at um his qualifying times from saturday and, you know, he's not far off of Max. And by not far, I mean like a 10th. And that's in every yep. like single session. He's he's just losing just about a 10th to Max. And given that Max didn't have a ton of running time on this track, like either, and we'll get to that a little bit later, mm-hmm. I still think Sergio's doing an awesome job uh, this season. I, I really do. Um you know, in the race, it was a little bit difficult for him at the end. And I think that, uh, you know, the pass on his attempted move on Carlos Sainz was a little opportunistic. I don't think that one was truly on. And to his, you know, defense, I think he just drove a, a great race. And yeah. uh, he's just up again. You know, once you start getting Carlos Sainz back into the mix here, Mark, like it's, you know, the things for, for Red Bull and the things for Ferrari, like things are like these things are separated by 
millimeters, man. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not much, is there? Well, I thought, especially with uh, Sergio's uh, attempt to try and get uh, get around uh, at, at the end of the race there, past uh, Sainz, I mean, why not? Uh, just to, if, if you can make it, you're, you're going to... Same thing like Max did at the beginning. If you're going to make that pass, you're going to look like a hero. If not, then it, it, it was worth a try. I mean, the thing is, he didn't damage his car. He didn't collect Carlos. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing was, considering the amount of time left in the end of the race, considering that uh, that Sergio was... He was struggling with some mechanical issues in his own car. He was going to get one opportunity, and then and it came and it passed, and he didn't make it stick. But it was uh, it, it was worth a try. But I was as you were talking there, I was just looking at the qualifying time. So in Q one, the the delta between Max and Sergio was about a tenth of a second. It was about mm. four and a half tenths in Q two, and then under a tenth of a second in Q three. So I mean, there you know that delta was bigger in Q two. But I mean, when you look at it, uh, you know the the other two qualifying sessions, he he's right there at a tenth of a second or, or less. So I mean, the, the margin between the two is is not very big compared to some other driver pairings that we've seen throughout. Uh, well, throughout any age, I mean, I, I think he's doing some pretty good things there. Uh, you know, when comparing him against his teammate, which is the ultimate comparison in motorsport, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Sergio now third in the. Uh, driver's championship with 66 points and obviously in front of him is his teammate Max Verstappen and mm-hmm. Charles Leclerc. Um, yeah, let's talk about this race a bit. I know we're kind of jumping around and, <laughs> and all that going going from like topic to topic to topic. But um, yeah, let's start with Charles Leclerc. I mean, for for Charles, I mean, that was a, that was a difficult first stint for him. I, I don't think the Ferrari treats the mediums uh, as well as I think the Red Bulls uh, does, but I mean, Mark, this this championship uh, lead that he has is slowly dwindling away. Yeah, well, that's why that uh, race in Imola a couple of weeks ago was just so painful. I mean, a, a season isn't won or lost on a, on a single race, but if at the end of the year... Max ends up defending that world championship and he beats Charles by say 10 points or less you know you might be looking back it, you know come you know Christmas time and reflecting on the season that uh, that that was and that that could be one of those key moments where it's ultimately those, those points are what uh, led to the the championship to slip through his fingers because I mean if you look in the constructors uh, championship I mean that big lead Ferrari had in the constructors is is dwindled I mean they got 157 points Red Red Bull is now only uh, six points behind with 151 points, and then on the uh, construct, sorry, the driver's side. I mean, Charles still has a bit of a buffer. He's got 104 points compared to 85 for Max, so he he almost has that one race win in his pocket. But the thing is that he can't afford any more slip ups like we saw in Imola a couple of weeks ago. I mean, today, like it, that race really needed that safety car. You know, as uh, you know, as as bad as I felt for Lando and. Uh, I I mean, he just, I mean, he had another frustrating uh, day out at the, at the office, but that, that race really needed something to kind of spice it up uh, right at the end there. And the, the safety car kind of, um, I know it's kind of an artificial way to kind of like back up the pack and everything like that, but it did kind of set things up nicely because you could tell that once, you know, that the safety car went, went back into the pits, it went back to racing. It was really interesting because you had a, a Red Bull Ferrari uh, Red Bull, or sorry, Ferrari Red Bull. And the, the big question is, is Charles going to be able to make that move on Max? Is Sergio going to make that move on Carlos? And it was fun to watch uh, both of them. And to to both of their credit, it, it, it they, they got close to the cars that they were following. 
you know, and Sergio, obviously, like we just talked about, he tried to get around, make that pass, and Carlos didn't make it stick. But then Charles was also getting pretty close to Max's gearbox. And I kept thinking to myself uh, in, in that last seven, eight laps there that if it comes, he's going to have one opportunity. And that opportunity never came. And I, I couldn't help but thinking after the, uh, the the race was over this is a this is a good result for for max considering some of the you know the issues that uh, that he struggled with through the you know the opening por- uh, portion of the season and for charles second you know it, it's okay it's not total redemption that uh, that they wouldn't have wanted after Imola. i mean it would have been great to have that you know that front row lockout win the race and you know the the, the perfect you know like scenario like max had in Imola. so it was good but it wasn't great but uh, certainly very much like his uh, his teammate carlos Sainz. yeah you're, you're probably a little bit satisfied but at the same time you you'll probably go you're going home tonight thinking yeah that that could have been it could have been better. It could have been better than what it was. I think I think Red Bull has the fastest car if Max Verstappen's driving. Yeah. That that that's what I think. I mean, every race that Verstappen has finished this season, he's won. And so for Charles Leclerc, that has to be a bit of a concern. And I asked him about that, and he agreed with me. <laughs> 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 but the thing is, is that with um with the Red Bull. I don't know if they have the qualifying pace that the Ferrari does. Mm-hmm. I just think that the two cars, and this is just from what I've seen, it's not from what I've heard. I just it looks like the Ferrari uses the tire differently in the race compared to what the Red Bull does. And today was a perfect Sunday, I should say, it was a perfect example of that, where that first stint. Both of them are on the same compound. Only Leclerc gets that front graining first, where Max is able to kind of get that move done Mm -hmm. and then kind of zoom off into the lead a bit. And then you look at the race restart. Well, Max was telling me that actually he was worried that Leclerc was going to was going to come by and pass him for the win uh, because he couldn't get the tires up to temperature enough. Like he was really, really struggling with that. And I think you have to give him credit for keeping like a cool head at that moment because it's easy for a driver, especially one who's in the lead, to do something silly, outbreak themselves, try and push the car too much when they they know the tires just aren't there. And it can be a little psychological at that point, right? So, you know, we do have to give him credit for that. And I think that every race that he's won this season, he's been very dominant, like in the race itself. And I think like, I think this is some of the best, even though the races aren't getting, like he's missed, he's DNF two races. And even though we didn't get to see, you know, how all those would have played out, whether or not he would have won them or not, I still think this is some of the best driving in in a race that, that he's done. And I think that he's learned a lot from that championship battle he had with Lewis Hamilton back in 2021. I really do. Just I feel like he's just he's learned something. He just looks different. He acts different. He answers questions differently. There's a little bit more maturity about him as he kind of goes through his process now. And I think for Charles Leclerc, you got to be worried about that. I mean, this like Max looks like the complete package now. He he really does. Yeah, totally. And if we take a look at like how the weekend went along, here's a perfect example. 
has 14 laps in free practice one. Car gets uh, put into the garage, mechanical issues. I believe it was something to do with, um, I think Christian Horner had mentioned to me, it has something to do with the hydraulic line. Uh, no, sorry, the hydraulic line was free practice two. Free practice one was overheating, so they changed the gearbox. Free practice two, they had a hydraulic line issue that they had to deal with. So loses a ton of laps. He only has 15 laps on Friday. That's it. It's not a lot. That's all he gets. <laughs> no, we look at like, you know how tough it is, Mark, for drivers learning tracks, right? It's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Not, it's not something that's easy. And if we look at his qualifying, taking the car to the limit on a track, he doesn't really know. And that's impressive. I don't care what anybody says. And I don't care like if they say a car is great and whatever, whatever. Like that's really hard to do. That is not easy. You have to have a lot of confidence to be able to do that. And then we look at the race and just the start in particular. He hadn't practiced a start. He was the one of the only drivers on the grid who didn't get a chance to do practice starts. And he gets Carlos Sainz into the first corner. Yeah, you know, and that just, uh, when you put it all into context like that, it, it really, I think, adds a little bit more color to Max's uh, victory because, uh, like, like we said a couple of times throughout the course of the show so far, that that maybe it wasn't the best spectacle on the track today. But if you look at the body of work and you, you look at what Max's weekend was like, it just makes that that victory, that P1, just that more, uh, more impressive, does it not? Or am I seeing this? The, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I, I I think this was a really great win for, for him. I think this is, this was that confidence win. Yeah. That's like, yes, we, we may not have the fastest car for qualifying, but we have the fastest car for the race. You just need to give me what I need. And I'll get it there. I think that's what this was today. Talking about confidence, I'd be interested to to hear if this came up in any of your conversations with the with, with the Red Bull boys over the weekend. I mean, they, they clearly have a good car. It is lacking in some areas. <clears throat> They're, they they clearly have two drivers that are operating as, as close to top form as they can. We know when it comes to things like strategy and tactics and calls on the pit wall during, you know, on spur of the moment uh, decisions during the course of a race, they're usually spot on. I mean, they're the masters of the double stack going back for years, right? But the one thing that, that just bugs me about Red Bull, and it must be a concern for them as well, is just the reliability issues. I mean, we, we saw it with that double DNF in Bahrain. We've seen it a couple of times. We saw it again this afternoon with the issues that that uh, that, that Sergio had. That must be uh, bothering them as well, because otherwise, you know, you would have to really consider them, you know, fav- well, I wouldn't say favorites, but a definite, uh, you know, that, that head of the title contenders pack right now. But... <clears throat> For me, at least, there's just uh, that that red flag that <laughs> I just feel that they push that car too hard. Something's going to break, and I I, don't, I just can't shake that feeling unless they have a run of like five or six, eight races or whatever it is, and neither car has a, a mechanical issue going forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point that you make. You know, obviously, uh, for this team, they have suffered greatly with mechanical issues. And like we've talked about before on this podcast, you know, it's, it's easy to fix reliability. It's harder to make a slow car fast. So yeah. this car may be packaged just a tiny bit too tight. I, I have a feeling if, if, if they're starting to get overheating issues. I mean, so for Friday, track temp was around 40, 45, and then you move into Saturday and mm-hmm. around 50. And, and I think the heat here did play a bit of a role in all of Red Bull's um, mechanical issues. You know, even Christian Horner made mention mm-hmm. of that to me on the Saturday morning, saying that, like, hey, we had some heating issues here on uh, a morning with free practice one and we had to we had to fix it and then that led to another problem because we had to switch out a gearbox and we had to do a whole <laughs> bunch of other things with the car wow and so it'd be interesting to see what they learned from this weekend in terms of like updates and what adrian knew he's going to do next um with this race car uh because uh, it they have like i said you know they have a great race car it's just trying to make this race car a better qualifying car, I think, and also at the same time get the get the reliability under control because the tighter you package these cars, Mark, I mean, the less heat is able to escape from them. Yeah, you know, it's funny you should mention uh, mention uh, Adrian uh, Newey because every time I see him on the race broadcast, uh, sitting up there on the pit wall, it's like he can seal the wheels in motion, turning in his head. It's like mental note to talk to X about this to on Monday, talk to Y about this on Monday. We need to do X, Y, and Z about this. That y- you can tell, like that process is just going on in his head. I mean, that's why he's one of the great engineers, one of the great designers that the sport has ever seen, and it, it's it, it's just really interesting. He's also such. I mean, at least from a from a public point of view, you don't really see him interviewed all that much. That you know, they're they're not sticking a mic in his face uh, during the course of a race. I mean, he's just so focused on things, and you have to think if it's a, a problem for for the drivers that issue, it must just be driving. Newey and his whole design team, all his designers, all his engineers, that stuff just must be driving them bananas. Absolutely. I mean, you got to see that guy's like you're saying, right? You could just see the wheels turning and he's a genius. Man. Oh, absolutely. Like having, yep. having Adrian Newey on, on your team and this isn't the first time he's worked with ground effect race cars. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing when he started building this car. Like he knew, he knew right away. And that's, that's huge when you factor in the, 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 when you factor in that they were locked into such a heated heated rivalry with Mercedes uh, in 2021 and the fact that they wanted to win that championship and it could have bled over into this car. Yeah. If it wasn't for that guy, man, obviously the team as well, but if it wasn't for Adrian Newey and having experience with, with cars that generate downforce from, from underneath, I don't know where, where, where uh, Red Bull would be right now. I really don't like he's, he's an absolute, superstar genius um oh totally let's talk about 
let's talk about Carlos Sainz because okay, you know we've we've talked about him on this podcast a number of different times. We got hell, you know, last month because people <laughs> thought we were slamming him. We were not slamming Carlos Sainz, but Mark, this guy on Friday cannot catch a break, dude. He came off the track on Thursday. He came off of the racetrack through the uh, little escape holes that they mm-hmm. have for the marshals going into pit lane, smacked his head on the pole as he's trying to get into pit lane. And then on a <laughs> Friday, guy crashes and destroys the car. I'm like, oh my God, this guy can't catch a break, Mark. Well, hopefully today after bringing it home that this is that that turning point that he needed because I mean, <laughs> talk about struggling. I mean, this last month or six weeks has just been a horrible time for, for yeah. Carlos Sainz. And for the record, I think he's a really good driver. I like Carlos Sainz. I mean, sometimes I think he kind of flies under the radar a little bit because he's not really like he's not like a Danny Ricardo. He's not like one of these big flamboyant, really extroverted personalities. But I mean, he's a very professional guy. I mean, he's he. I mean, he's lively in his own way. But I think by just nature, he's by by nature, he's just a little bit of a, a quieter guy. But I think he's supremely talented. I think he's a very good teammate. I, I think he's competitive in his own right. But I mean, it's just like if you could sort of like map out any bad scenario that could happen to the guy over the last uh, three or four weeks, he's pretty much checked every single box. And I, I couldn't help but thinking just even three, four days ago, just coming into this race weekend, it's just like, okay, what sort of weird things are going to happen to poor old Carlos Sainz this weekend? And then after like all those things you just mentioned, uh, like I just before the race, I'm like, yeah, that that's totally on brand for like, you know, spring 2022 Carlos Sainz. But I was really happy to see him, uh, you know, finish where he did. And, you know, basically keep it very clean during the race. I I thought for, you know, that um, right at the end there, the way that he played that whole scenario with uh, with, uh, Sergio trying to pass him. I mean, the way that he just, where they're going into turn one, he just sort of opened the steering wheel a little bit just so, you know, he didn't turn in and just sort of eased off a little bit, just allowed Sergio to breeze up the inside. And then he just carried on. And I thought that was a a real heads up moment uh, from, from Carlos. And I just hope for the poor guy that he can just put this, you know, this nasty funk behind him and just uh, maybe just breathe a big sigh of relief is it, you know what? I made it through the weekend. I got a pretty good result out of it. And let's just forget April, 2022 and the first two days of, or maybe day yeah. and a half of Miami. And let's look forward to, to, to Spain, Monaco, Canada, whatever's coming up in the calendar. He's looking forward to Spain. He was telling me that that's for sure. He's looking forward to get back home. I bet. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I had to ask him some tough questions over the weekend. And, you know, one of them was just like, how confident was he getting with this, you know, race car? Uh, and I asked him that on Sunday after the race, uh, given that, you know, he had a, he had a rough start to, to the weekend. He just, he did. It was, it was bad. It was really bad, (laughs) but he managed to make up for it and, and come home with, I believe it was his third podium of the season. And I kind of said to him, like, hey, look, you know, he's starting to get more confident with his car because I know you'd mentioned it to me before that it was something you were kind of working towards. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I am, you know, getting more mileage under my belt has really helped, even though, yeah, I got third in the race today and I'm paraphrasing, but even though, you know, got third in the race, it was still mileage. He was, he was still collecting data 
and he was still filling himself up with knowledge on what the car likes, what it does and what it does on new tires. What does it do on old tires? How does it act when it has full fuel? How does it act when it has empty tanks? Because the car changes a ton over a, as, as a race. So I think for, for Carlos in particular, it just comes down to that, Mark, you know, mm-hmm. just, just more mileage, more, more miles he can get under his belt. I think the closer he's going to get to, uh, to, to Charles Leclerc. Well, you know, I, I mean, let's not forget what happened in Imola and Australia. I mean, out of like the entire 20 cars on the grid, he had the least amount of race distance possible for two Grand Prix. I mean, he had mm-hmm. half a lap. What was that? How many laps did he have in Australia? Yeah, it was like, like a lap and a half, half, and a half and not even half a, like, like a quarter of a lap in Imola, a, you know, a, two weeks ago. So in the past two races he basically got two laps racing i mean that's like mm. you you couldn't get less if you even tried if you well mm. i mean you could if you just didn't show up to the paddock on sunday morning but this it, i mean it's just uh, that's what really blows my mind about this uh, whole situation but i mean he did get a p3 he got a podium and i i just hope that uh like i said just now i hope he shakes his funk off and he can go to the next race and just build on something positive you know <laughs> he needs it yeah, he absolutely. really needs it yeah for for sure i you know i i agree with you on that um moving over to george russell coming home fifth um you know i talked to talked to george on saturday after qualifying because he was so quick you know friday in free practice and i yeah i was like you know look george i mean like not a lot has changed from friday to to today I mean, what happened out there? Is it the heat? Like what's, what's causing the car to come like start porpoising again? Because at the beginning on Friday, the car actually wasn't porpoising at all. And then once we got to Saturday, the car was like bouncing up and down again. I'm just like, this is so weird. They haven't really well, changed maybe much it was the porpoising car. because they're driving around the home of the Miami dolphins. Okay. That's a bad pun. I'm sorry. I, t- I take that back. <laughs> You're like waiting to throw that one in there. Right? Yes. I, th- I retract that statement. <laughs> Incredible. Um, but yeah, he was just saying to me on Saturday, like, look, he's like the car, yeah. this car was a different beast today. That's what he said to me. And he wasn't too thrilled about the race coming up. He didn't know how that was going to go. He had no clue. And then in come the race. He was telling me that the first 15 laps, he said, were really tricky. He said, really, really difficult for him. He said, but after that, he's kind of like the hard tire, like really started to come to life. And he was able to like make up some ground. And then next thing you know, he's in, he's into the top, top 10 and then he's higher. And it, it was, uh, for, for him, he didn't think he was going to get that far. And then that safety car, that virtual safety car helped him a ton. But that's the thing, though. He put himself and people were making excuses for him at the track, too. And, and like, OK, I mean, sure. But you have to put yourself into that situation to receive the luck. You yeah, do. yeah, totally. Just- you, you manufacture your own luck. I mean. I mean, he t- he kind of took a gamble, but I mean, it was a calculated risk. I mean, w- mm-hmm. when you go to a street circuit, the odds are pretty good. At some point, somebody's going to put it into the wall. Somebody's going to, you know, they're they're going to their their engine's going to let go or something. They're going to pull up on the side of the track, and they're going to there's going to be a VSC or a full on safety car. And it, it's just it's it's a smart gamble. If there's any kind of gamble, that's a smart gamble. And again, I think we we talked about it with Hammy there the last time. Um, I think after Imola that you know when when it comes to George and he's you know, he's been out qualifying Lewis. He's had uh, a little bit, uh, so, some better moments than Lewis uh, the, so far this year is the fact that he's had to think on his feet 
at Williams the past uh, several years because he hasn't had the best car out there and mm-hmm. he's had to learn to do more with a lot less. And I, I think that this uh, situation again today was just, uh, you know, George just being able to think on his feet and just, you know, be very smart about it and think there's a good chance that, that this safety car is going to come out at some point. I'm going to try and push uh, as far as I can and just hope that the timing works out. I mean, again, if it doesn't work out, you know, it's 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 a it's a risk worth taking, in my opinion, and it, it worked out perfect for it, and I, and he was rewarded justly for you know that faith in that uh, in that strategy. It wasn't too long of a long shot, and uh, you you reap the rewards from it. Absolutely, and George, uh, doing well in the the championship standings, uh, also fourth. I have fifty nine points. I mean, pretty incredible. From, from George. He's got a fourth place, fifth place, third place, fourth place, fifth place. Like hearing from Total Wolf after the race, you know, he was just saying, look, I they don't understand the car completely. They're still scratching their heads over what happened from Friday to Saturday. They still don't know yet. They feel that the upgrades that they did bring, which were a band-aid solution, mind you, um, put them in a good position to learn more total feels that once they get the car dialed into the sweet spot where this car really operates they have a very fast race car and they do they really do you know friday practices showed that they do it's just whatever happened in between friday to saturday qualifying Mm -hmm. whatever changed either it was track temp or maybe they had made an adjustment and went the wrong way on something. Maybe it was just tire pressures. But whatever it is, this car is so sensitive to change that that's what's really throwing them off. And it's giving them a hard time understanding it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Hammy and I have been talking about on our podcast the last couple of weeks that maybe the W13 is this car that they know or they, they think that has this incredible potential. But we, we think that at some point it goes up on the on, on the wall in the boardroom because they, they walk mm-hmm. away and cut the cut their losses because now they got to mm-hmm. focus on 23. And it's just like, we know this could have been an amazing car, but we were never able to extract its full potential because of the, the cost cap and and, you know, the, all these components and all these various things that are locked in that we can't touch. And, you know, we, we have to we have to get it right out of the box. And because we know we're not going to be able to develop it uh, as much as we want to or able to over the course of the season. And I, I think that's where they're at right now. But, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit now about uh, Lewis Hamilton, because I thought it was and I, I know this is, uh, you know, th- this is interesting the way that they sort of cherry pick the nice radio transmissions and there was one exchange between uh, Lewis and his engineer Bono uh, you know asking Lewis about you know the 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 tires and and stuff like that and he's like why are you guys asking me this and you know should you making that be making that decision like in the pits so I'm gonna ask you as a driver what's your thoughts about that like are, are you with the are you with Lewis do you sympathize with him you know it, it was an interesting little exchange I mean it was just a couple of words back and forth but it was it was a fascinating exchange between Lewis and Bono? Well, we have seen in the past, Mark Lewis actually question the tire changing strategies and why aren't they doing, you know, something different and him telling them like, Hey, I need new tires. We have seen that right in, in, in the past where this was a little bit different. It was quite odd actually, because usually we're seeing Lewis like dictating what he wants when he wants yeah. it, all, all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a little bit strange. You know, it, it really was. I 
I I still think that a little bit of hard luck in terms of the strategy. And I think that for you know for Lewis, he he should he's a seven-time world champ. He should know if he needs new tires or not. <laughs> you think. You know what I mean? Like he he should know. He should know. Like yeah. he he'll know that. Um now, whether or not that radio message was taken out of context, you know, we won't know because the way it was slapped together and put on the broadcast. Yeah, we got like 15 seconds out of something that might have been a two-minute conversation or something that's going back and forth for a much longer period of time. Totally agree. 100%. So that that's where I kind of put all of that with the with the radio message. Because I, I got a lot of questions about that on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram, everywhere. Like, I got a lot of questions about that. And that, that's what I think. Because I wasn't on Lewis's comms this weekend. Like, I usually I usually am. I wasn't there this weekend for that on on, on his radio. But there, there is something he's... I, th- I feel that there's just something he's missing. And I think that... We've talked about it before with George being at Williams, and you know I asked George about it this weekend, and he he sort of downplayed it. But really, I, I think I, I really I really I don't want to say I don't believe him, but <laughs> I just <laughs> I just think there there has to be something that you know George has taken away from his time at Williams, right? Yeah. And as a competitor, you don't always you know reveal all of your secrets. And sure. Sure. Fair enough. At the same time, I think. George, technically, he's very sound. And I think he's finding different ways of getting this car just exactly like where he needs it to extract the lap time. And I think what maybe some people might be missing is that Lewis hasn't gotten slower. Like, Lewis is a seven-time Formula One world champion. And now he's got a teammate that's that's on the same level as him. They're, They're very much equal in terms of talent skill all of it total even admitted it to me on saturday like wow. you just said like george is one of the next generation right he's won a championship in pretty much everything he's driven he's he is a talent true talent so he's he's right up there um with lewis the thing is and what i'm excited for is once hamilton really figures this car out and figures out what he needs from it to extract the lap time mm-hmm. I, I think he's it's, he's these two guys are going to be fun to watch. Well, you, they really are. Yeah, you, you know the thing is, over the past uh, you know almost decade watching Lewis at Mercedes, it was it was always like watching history because it it was always something special watching him go out there and just throw down that lap time when he needed it, as you know when it came to qualifying or he needed to for for a pit stop or whatever it was. Like I, how many times have we sat there over the years, Tim? And you see Lewis go out there, you see his lap time, and you'd be like, "He just did what? Are you kidding me?" Mm-hmm. I mean, and and the thing is, he just wouldn't do it occasionally. It was consistently race mm-hmm. in, race out, you know, year in, year out. It was it, it's it's historical. It was absolutely amazing. And and that's the thing that uh, you you raise a very good point there. And w- when you put it in that context, it's just like. Yeah, if Lewis can get this car figured out, I mean, it could be scary, right? To to see him get back to it. It's just like, you know, he he's he's adding two and two together, but he's not quite getting four right now. He's getting four and a quarter or three point nine or something like that. And it's it's he's not he's close, but he's just not quite there yet. Let's move on to uh, Esteban Ocon. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, absolutely incredible jive from from Esteban. Uh, I got to sit down with him 
for a one-on-one interview on, on Saturday. It was my first time actually really getting to talk to Esteban. I got like I got a good 20 minutes. We were talking, we were talking everything like he seems to be to be a bit of like a cool guy, you know, to sit down very, and talk with. Yeah. He is a very, very cool guy. He's really super nice, down mm-hmm. to earth, easy to have a conversation with. Uh, there's no BS mm-hmm. and he gives it to you, gives it to you straight. So it was tough to see what had happened to him on on the Saturday NFP three, uh, you know, when he crashed. They actually wheeled his new Alpine tub right past me in the paddock. Mm-hmm. And I had to look and I was like, is that a new tub? And then I looked at the guys who were pushing it. I'm like, that's Alpine. I'm like, I mean, does Ocon need a new tub? And so I like ran down there and I was <laughs> asking the guys like, hey, like, what's going on in here? Like, is is Esteban going to make it out for qualifying? They're like, nope. Like, <laughs> oh, dear. Did he tub the car? And they're like, yep. I'm like, oh, Ouch. man, he's going to start dead last. Guy starts dead last and finishes in eighth. Yeah. Great drive. Great drive. I mean, to go from that and, you know, not even get on the track and qualifying and take it from the back of the grid and take it into the points as far as he did, I think is exceptional. I think that's, uh, you know, probably the drive of the day that, that just didn't get any recognition at the time because everybody's focused on Charles and Max and, 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 and Carlos and, and, and Sergio because that's where the action was. That's what we were, that, that was a big sexy battle up front. But I mean, Esteban had an incredible Sunday afternoon. That, that's impressive. That really is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and he was happy about it. He was thrilled about it and all. He's like, you know, I got a little lucky with the safety car, is what he's <laughs> telling me. And I'm like, well, look, man. I'm like, you kind of got to make your own luck at this point, right? And he's like, yeah, that's true. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that was pretty awesome. Alexander Albon, also great drive as well uh, from him. He was running uh, new rear wing on his car, new floor as well. Nicholas Tifi not getting the same, uh, but Alex... Doing another great job in the race. I I was talking to him. I was as I was leaving the track, Mark. I said, uh, I was like, "Yo, Alex, uh, we were walking up the stairs." I'm like, "So you're gonna keep the hair dyed red? <laughs> keep then, it red?" Right? <laughs> He's like, "I'm like every man. I'm like ever since you dyed it red, dude. You you scored you know scored points because it's gonna score more points now." And he started laughing. He's like, yeah, bro, I got to keep this. I'm like, okay, good. Well, if you're going to do it, you got to do the whole thing red because it's just red on the top. And he yeah. started killing himself laughing, whatever. <laughs> but it is that that was really cool to see yeah. Alex. Um, Alex put in that performance today. Pretty impressive. Totally. I, I love the gutsy move that uh, that Williams made. It kind of went against the grain last year. I mean, everybody just expected that they were going to sign Nick DeFries and kind of like they, the Mercedes yeah. would parachute another one of their drivers into that team. And they kind of went their own way, which I thought was great. And and so far through these uh, first couple of races or several races now to to 2022, Alex, I think, has really repaid their faith in him. And uh, I mean, that drive that, uh, that we saw in uh, Australia, the way that he managed those tires, I mean, that, that was brilliant. I mean, he gets into the points, he gets into the points again today, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling excited for him, and I'm feeling excited for the team. I mean, this is a team that has scored pretty much zero points in the constructors over the last uh, several years, and I mean, three points isn't a lot, but for a team where it's been 
well, I mean, saying it was slim pickings would be overstating the amount of points that they've uh, they brought home in the last number of years. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 a good little story in and of itself, and um, it's it's good to hear that you know Alex can laugh about these things because to me that tells me that he's a guy that's in the right headspace as well and is um, you know happy where he's at. I think it's it's great. And then also Lance you know, getting into the, uh, the the points that was a weird story, like um, that they had to start from the pit lane both Aston Martins because that the, they, they had to change out the fuel because it was getting too cold. Yeah, it was actually quite strange, but I mean, really excellent uh, drive, you know, from, from Lance today. I mean, obviously, you know, he had his battles with, with Kevin Magnuson and, you know, that got quite spicy <laughs> at times. But, Is there any battle with any driver and Kevin Magnuson that doesn't get spicy? <laughs> I love Kevin Maggs. He's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I think for for Lance, um, it's been it's been a good couple of races for him and the team. It was good to catch up with him. It was good to see him. I hadn't seen him. I hadn't seen the guy like face to face. Well, I've seen him over Zoom and and such. But but yeah, in the paddock, sitting down, talking to him. You know, it was nice. It was good. Good. Good to see him. And like, this is a strong drive. Started from pit lane. Yep. And came up and was able to score points. I mean, Mark doesn't get much better than that. No, I, I mean, just like, uh, I mean, maybe not as quite as dramatic as Esteban after you know, having to have the tub in his car replaced. But I mean, still respect to Lance uh, for, for taking it from the pit lane into the points. I mean, if there was ever a, de- you know, a definition of a hard fought, hard won single points, you know, to, to Lance, that must feel like, you know, 20 or 30 points. I mean, just considering where he came from and what he yeah. had to do just to get that one measly little point. I mean, good for him. Yeah, for sure. And good for the team, too. I mean, it really yeah. does look like Aston Martin's really starting to figure this car out and and move it forward. You know, Lance was admitting it to me that on, on Saturday that, you know, he doesn't really feel that this is a Q3 car just yet. And judging mm-hmm. by the, the lap time, if he had have taken his lap time that he did in Q2 and applied it in, in Q3, he still would have been 10th fastest. It wouldn't have been enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though his Q2 time was faster, it just still wouldn't have been enough. I think he was a couple hundredths of a second uh, slower um, than the ninth place uh, car. So, I mean, all in all, I think for, for Aston Martin, a pretty pretty productive um, weekend as a whole. Um, you know, Vettel and Mick, I mean, you know, Vettel doesn't really toss blame around on that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was kind of like 50-50, wasn't it? You yeah. know, we've had these uh, debates in similar situations over the weeks and months and years past. And, uh, you know, you can make the arguments for, you know, both for and against uh, Seb and for and against Mick. And at the end of the day, I think you just uh, write it off as a, as a racing incident. You know, it's kind of unfortunate considering the relationship that these two guys have. But I mm-hmm. think uh, Martin Brundle kind of put it best and said, I, you can't have, you can't be friends with other racing drivers, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, un- unfortunate. I mean, Seb, I think was doing a, you know, a, a decent job as well. And, and Mick was right up there at one point where he was running, what about eighth or something at one point uh, during the race. And it, it looked like, to me, he feels like a little bit like George Russell that, uh, you know, when George just could not score a point and it, where he was in the points and then something unfortunate would happen right at the end of the race and those point or that point would get yanked out of his hand. I kind of feel that, 
it's 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 kind of happening to Mick. Maybe not as in a dramatic fashion, but I just feel that it's it, you know he's going to get that points finish that he really deserves, and I think it's going to come pretty quick. I, I think it was mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate it didn't happen for him this weekend. Yeah, I think so too. It was uh, this was a weekend I think for for Mick to build the confidence back up again after that uh, after that huge accident he had in in Saudi Arabia. Oh man, yeah. You know, I don't think that that really did his confidence well because then going into Australia is a little shaky, and then Imola yeah, still again a little uh, a little shaky. But I really think that, um, yeah, I really do think that he uh, he drove he, he drove really well this weekend. And hey, look, I mean, he was on pace with with Magnuson. Yeah. this weekend and I, that's all you can look at you know i, I want to say something about uh mick like i've kind of uh you know said about lance in the past you know like i hate these like kind of like easy throwaways for guys like mick and lance because you know the the, the knock that people have had against lance for years oh he's only there because he's lawrence stroll's uh son and lawrence has more money in the world than he knows what to do with yeah okay his dad is rich but you know lance has to have talent or else he wouldn't be in formula one it's just not a paycheck and the same there's some of these comments maybe not quite as many about mick that uh, that i've heard about Lance over the years, but oh, he's only in Formula One because he's a Schumacher. He's Michael's son. It's like, yes, he is. Yes, he's got that name. Yes, his dad is a multiple seven-time world champion. Yes, he he's the nephew of another Formula One race winner and Ralph Schumacher. But he just didn't get in there just because he was born into the right family. He has talent in his own right. I mean, he's still a young guy. I mean, he, last year he didn't, in his first year in Formula One, he didn't have the greatest car to to begin with. He didn't have a teammate that was really, you know, going to push him to, or, you know, maybe, not that maybe K-Mag is really mentoring him, but I mean, he's an experienced racing driver, experienced Formula One driver. He's a good benchmark and example to be, you know, up against in the garage to, you know, you know sort of measure yourself against and i think for for mick that uh, you know that's only going to be a good thing i think those points finishes will come because you know he's not just there because he's got the right name he's got talent in uh, in his own right and uh, i just hope he doesn't become the new george he deserves those points well before we take off let's uh talk quickly about nicholas latifi sure. um this was i think nicholas's best weekend mm-hmm. uh, a couple things that some people should probably know he's not running the same equipment as Alex Albon is. He actually has uh, the older floor and I believe also the older rear wing as, as well. And then we also have to take into some weight consideration into that because I believe kind of appears from some people I've spoken to that Alex is actually, he's about, I think it's about seven kilograms lighter than, um, Nicholas's car. And you know, oh, I think wow. that costs that costs some time too. I think that costs a bit of time too. But just from watching him on track this weekend, uh, it looks like the confidence is starting to to come around. It, it does. And qualifying, I think, actually actually really showed that because he wasn't very far off of, of Alex, you know, whatsoever. Um as we get into the race. So that's a little bit of a, that's a little bit of a different story. I think, you know, if some upgrades maybe come for, for Nicholas in Barcelona, I think uh, we may see Nicholas being uh, right on par with Alex. I have a feeling. 
Yeah, well, the, you know, and that's exciting to talk about because, you know, he's had a bit of a, a rough uh, patch here to, to start this season as well. And if that's the case, if he uh, can close that delta and he can be uh, close to what Alex is doing, I mean, we've seen Alex put in the points uh, a couple of times already. And that's exciting if you're Nikki because you're thinking, hey, if Alex is doing this, if he's been able to bring home points in a couple of races this year, I should be able to do that uh, too if, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting, uh, you know, some improving my car and hopefully some weird things don't happen on the track so I'm crossing my fingers for him because it's it's not fun to watch guys struggle and I mean he's it, it was kind of rough there to watch him in some of the races uh, this year so I, I'm pulling for him I'd love to see him get into the points as well because he's been in uh, F1 for a couple of years now as well hasn't had the greatest car but uh, like I say I mean if if Alex is able to stick it into the points uh, in in 2022 I don't see any reason why Nick Latifi can't do it as well yeah totally agree uh Mark let everybody know what you got going on yeah, so we've got uh, two shows a week uh, dropping, uh, usually on, uh, well, Sunday nights. Mark uh, Hamilton's been doing a lot of interviews uh, lately. Those usually drop on Monday mornings. Our usual uh, weekly show drops Thursday night or Friday mornings, depending whereabouts you are on the globe. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere where you download a podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at ScooteryF1Pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Daily, and that's with an L-E-Y at the end, at Mark Daily F one on Twitter. Mark, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun, man. Like always, always. really enjoy doing these uh, race recaps with you on the Sunday. We should keep it going. Uh, I'm Tim Haraney. If you want more from me, you can get me at Tim Haraney on all forums of social media. And I'll be back later in the week with another podcast for the TSN Racing Pod. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you all later. All right, once again, big thanks to Tim Haraney from the TSN Racing Pod for getting together with us to recap the Miami Grand Prix. Interesting race, not that exciting for the best part, but it was great to see it uh, get off the ground and hopefully they make the improvements necessary for next year. And that's it for us. We'll be back on Thursday night with a regular weekly show and hopefully Mark will be back and feeling up to snuff again. Until then, if you want to get in touch with us, by all means, send us a tweet at Scuderia F1 Pod on Twitter, or you can send us an email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Have a great week, guys. We'll be back in a couple of days. And until then, take care, have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.